Y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? That was 20 of y'all. There's more than that in the room. It says, y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? Now, listen, I, I, I had a coffee this morning, and then Pastor Dylan brought me another coffee. So buckle your seatbelts. I might start speaking really fast. But that's because the Word is buried on the inside of me. Here's the truth of it. I might be jacked up on caffeine, but I'm even more jacked up on the Word this morning. So I need you to understand what's about to flow out of me is not Brian's opinions. What I'm about to drop on you is a word from the Lord. You might as well get your mind in the right place to understand that what's about to happen is God's about to speak to you. In fact, you might as well just say it with me. Say, God, speak to me. Now, you know you messed up right there. Because now, if you don't hear anything, that's because you're ignoring him. Because the moment you say God speak, he's faithful to move. Now, now you either you're ignoring him or you got too much stuff in that brain of yours that you need to let go. Let go. Let, let me say this to you real quick. This is not the time to balance your checkbook. Some of you are like, a checkbook? What's a checkbook? I don't know what a checkbook is. <laughs> they give those out still? Yes, they do. That's the thing you threw away when you got your bank account. Amen. I just want a debit card. I just want the plastic. This is not a time to find out whether you're going to pay your bills tomorrow. The banks are closed tomorrow. Let it go. This is not the time to set up whether you're going to eat lunch, where you're going to eat lunch, how you're going to eat lunch, and who you're going to eat lunch with. Don't be texting across the room, and please get off Facebook. This is not time to tweet. This is not time to Facebook. This is not time to Instagram. If you need to Instagram, you need more friends. And the only people you Instagram are the people that are probably not in this room. Can I get an amen from somebody? Okay, see, it gets louder and happier in this place. Amen. So let it all down. Get your words out. Get your notepads out. Get your pen out, because there's nothing I'm going to say in the next. You notice I didn't give you a time there. There's nothing I'm going to say in the next few minutes that you're going to commit to memory. You might as well commit it to a piece of paper so you can go home and apply it this week. That's like seeing a hammer be used one day and then going home and trying to nail it in with no hammer. The hammer is still at the church. Why don't you bring it home with you? Amen. Okay, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done preaching. Amen. Altar call. No, I'm just kidding. (sighs) Pastor, what are we doing? I have no idea. Coffee's taking over. Amen. Church, this morning we are stepping into the last part of our kingdom series. How many of you have feel like you have grown over the last three weeks? Now, listen, don't just be like, yes, pastor, I grew. Because, listen, growth is evident. Growth is not spoken. It is evident. That means you got good fruit falling from your tree. See, here's the truth of it. How do I see that the word's growing? Because I start to see what you produce, not whether you attend. You can go stand in a vineyard, but you're not, you might not be a vine. Amen. So over the last three weeks, we have been trying to grow you. Why? Because here's the truth of it. The kingdom of God is not, hmm, it's not a place. It's the way that we live. Anytime you read in the Bible, the kingdom of God is like, it's what God is saying is, is this is the way to do it. Walk ye in it. Because we are kingdom people. If you're not kingdom people, then you're living outside the kingdom. If you're in the kingdom, then you understand that God is your priest and king. God is your ruler. He is your authority. He is the one that, because here's the great part. When you're inside the kingdom, there is protection, provision, encouragement, joy, peace, love. The things seem to work. Here's the problem. Can I just say this to you? In our culture, in our society, I'm going to tell you what's broken so that we all get on the same page. It is not a racial issue. It is not a this issue. It is not a uh, social issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a kingdom issue. Why? Because there are people who are living outside the kingdom and people who are living inside the kingdom. And the people who are living outside the kingdom are under turmoil. They are under distraught and stress. They are struggling with life. They look at the news as their source. They look at their friends as a source. They look at Facebook as their source. And they wonder why they're struggling as opposed to getting to a book that was written before Facebook. That has the beginning and the end in it. 
the first and the last in it. It declares everything that will come to pass. There is no secrets that are not in this word. You go, Pastor, but we, we, there's, no, there's no presidential nomination. There's, listen, he says at the very end, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Stop stressing. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, aren't you, aren't you worried about the times? No, I'm actually kind of excited about the times. Why? Because Jesus said this would happen. God laid it out in his word. He said this would happen. You want to know why we don't know this anymore? Because this is the book that we consult on Sundays, not the book we consult on Mondays. Now, for those of you that consulted all week long, I praise the Lord for you. But most church people don't. This is an ornament that we put. It's like putting on our dress clothes for Sunday mornings. Well, if I dress up, I got to carry my Bible so I look holy. God says, no, this is my way. This is the kingdom. This, this book is the foundational space that you will build your life on. This is the rock. This is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, is God, will always be God. If you're looking for God, get in the word. Stop waiting for some big thing to happen in front of you. Find the big thing in here. The word of God is what carries the kingdom dynamic in our life. It is the word of God that causes the kingdom to work within us. Without the word of God, there is no kingdom. Can I say this to you again? Without the word, there is no kingdom of God. This is the manual. Men, let me ask you a question. How many of you like to read instructions to build things? That's what I thought. Every man in the room goes, nope. And here's the problem. When we're done, what do we find? Extra pieces. Oh, God. My kid's going to die when they get on the bike, but here's the problem. They started messing with us. They started putting extra parts in because they realized we lose the parts. Hello? Y'all realize that yet? They're like, what? Why? More screws. Where does this one go? And you find out they were just doing that because we're dumb. Okay, I get it. But the truth is, is that we don't usually want to read an instruction book because why? That's messing with my ego. I don't want to look it up. Like YouTube is the best invention because I'd rather watch somebody do it and show me how to do it than to read a manual that they're like, take part A to part B. Where the flip is part A? I don't know where part A is. Well, go back to section five. Look at three. This is math. I, I'm done with school. We're good. But we don't have this desire to read the manual. But here's the problem. We look at this as an instruction book to tell us what we can't do. Instead of an instruction book to declare what we're able to do. Some of y'all are going to get this one in a second. We look at this book as going, this is laws and regulations. Rather than the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. This is the thing that looses you from your chains of bondage. This is the thing that causes you to become greater than you are in your own right. This is the thing that says greater is in he is, is in me than he that's in the world. This is that thing that causes you to become everything God purposed you to be. Let me help you with something. Without God, you are not everything God created you to be. You're just a shell. God says, when I move in and when, I, when my kingdom takes root in, on the inside of you, you start to become everything. And then you start to find out that, that, let's go back for a second, that the weeds aren't as powerful as the seed. We've quoted the scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me help you with something. The kingdom's not coming until you get it. What do you think the kingdom coming is? Somebody lift their hand. Oh, see, nobody wants to do that. Because you're the kingdom of God. You're his kingdom. No, I'm his church attender on Sunday. I'm his church member at the house. 
No, you're his kingdom. And when we finally understand that the will of God does not manifest in the earth until we do. <laughs> Why do you think Jesus said, go and do greater? Why do you think he said, greater things shall you do than I did? Because here's the truth of it. He gave the disciples the assignment, says, go, carry the kingdom into the earth. Bring forth the kingdom into the earth. Bring my way of doing things into the earth. Let the world know that there's a better way to do it than the way they've been doing it. Tell them about my wondrous works. Tell them about the end times. Tell them about the second coming. Tell them that it's not, it's not for naught. Tell them that they're going to come through. Tell them to be absent from this world is to be present with the Lord. Tell them they don't have to be afraid of death. Tell them that there's life in... Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Because for some reason, we have gotten lost in this thing where we just want to go and have somebody tell us the kingdom. But God says, you are the kingdom. Well, I just want to go to church and let pastor tell me what I got to do. The problem is, is that we're not doing it. We're just listening. We're being hearers and not doers. And God says, this is the time for you to become a doer. Aren't you tired of just sitting in your seat? Aren't you tired of wondering when it's going to happen? You, want to, you, you read your Bible and you see signs, miracles, wonders, God, when's it going to happen? When you get off your blessed assurance and do something with it. Yeah. The kingdom of God happens when you and I take our place, stand up, and do what he's purposed us to do. He said, your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, I want your will. Then get up, Brian. I got stuff for you to do. The kingdom must come for his will to be done. So in week one, we dealt with what kind of soil you were. We talked in the book of Matthew chapter 13 about different kinds of soil. We dealt through those pieces. And the truth of the matter is that if you're not tilled soil, you'll never receive the seed that God has for you. Your fallow ground will cause the seed to die. But when you allow God to turn the places that are hard in your heart, God says, then you are now ready to receive the seed. What's the seed? The word. Let the seed take root on the inside of you. Let it take deep root on the inside of you. Let it become the thing, the foundation of how you live. Then week two, we talked about excitement about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13 as well in verse 44. We talked about being excited, understanding that there's treasures in this field. That every time you get into the word, every time you get into what God's way of doing things, there are hidden treasures that he wants to declare over you and speak over you. How many of y'all would like to find some treasure? The problem is most of us want to find treasure because it satisfies our flesh, not our soul. Because we've deemed treasure as something that will take us from what we don't have to what we do have. Jesus already did that. He took you from sin and gave you eternity. What more could you want? You can have wealth on this earth, but you can't take it home with you. And then last week we dealt with the revelation, the revelation, the, the rhema of the kingdom. That you and I should desire greater revelation. You and I should desire to hear from God. Not just to read a book. How many of y'all have ever read your Bibles and then felt like you didn't get anything? Come on, I don't want to say it, Pastor. I don't want to say it. I don't want God to be mad. He's not dumb. He saw you. How many of y'all in this room have ever read your Bible and you're like, ah, got it? Here's the reason why. Because most of the times we read the Bible out of obligation rather than desiring revelation. We read the word out of what a good believer reads their Bible. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh-uh. A good believer walks and grabs the Bible and says, you're about to give me some crazy revelation. So God, open up my heart and my mind to see what you want to speak to me today. And when I get stopped, when I read something that jumps out, let me sit on that. What does it say? On the law of the Lord does he meditate when? Both day and night. He doesn't say he reads 52 chapters in a day so he can look cute. 
He says he lets the word meditate. He meditates on it. In other words, he rests in it, lets it take root on the inside of him so that he can grow stronger than he's ever been. He or she can grow stronger. And so we've got to let the word have revelation in our lives. Let me give you one real quick. God, i got to get into the rest of this message. Years ago, I was reading the story of David and Goliath. Y'all all know the story of David and Goliath? David picks up three stones, takes one, kills Goliath. Woohoo! Party's over. Y'all missed the other part where he goes in, he cuts Goliath's head off, takes it back to his relatives and said, if y'all keep messing with him, the people of Israel, I'm going to make the rest of your family look like this guy. But one day I was reading that book. I was reading that portion of story. And the Bible says that David, as he was winding up, he was worshiping. God says, see, see, Brian, I will lead you to places. Watch how God speaks. He said, Brian, I will lead you to places that give you the tools to conquer the things in front of you. But it is not the tools that conquer. It's the worship in you that causes the tools to be effective. David, when he released the stone, let it go and went, Father, I thank you. You ever see those guys in the, in the NBA that shoot a ball and they think they're going to get the three-pointer? And then the ball goes, thong, and they're like, and they're like, turn around like, yeah, look at me. And then the ball goes off, and then they're like, oh, you're really not that great. And, and, and because they're shooting within their own power. Most, most people in the church today effectively move in the things of God in their own power without the power. They haven't confined themselves to the fullness of what God says to do in his word. David said he was a worshiper before Goliath. He'll be a worshiper after Goliath. Here was the crazy part. David already had a word from God. God had already said that he would deliver Goliath into his hand. Literally, that's what the word says. He would deliver Goliath into his hand. That God would overcome Goliath, but David had to show up to the fight. I believe this with all of my heart. When David let go of that stone, that stone moved. Now, you understand the accuracy that a person would have to have from the distance that David was to Goliath to hit Goliath right between the eyeballs. You go, Pastor, that's just a story to make us feel better. No, that's truth. It's in the word. It happened. Mm, quiet again. Praise the Lord. So I believe with everything in my heart, the moment David let, left the rock, that rock could have been over here. Goliath could have been over there. That rock could have been running that way. David could have missed. David doesn't say in the Bible that David was a great shot all the time. David could have. I believe that when he started to worship, that worship found its mark. What if I told you that your worship will help you find your mark? See, this is what happens when you start to ask the word to reveal itself to you. Why do you think we've been able to preach for 2,000 years? Why do you think the word still has power today? It's not because we keep regurgitating messages. It's because God keeps giving us revelation. And if you're not sure what revelation is in the word, it's a word called rhema. Rhema is the revelation, the divine revelation from God. Stop looking for book smarts and ask for divine revelation. Let the word speak to your soul. Let it speak to your mind. Let it speak to your heart. Let it speak to your family. Let it speak to your kids. Speak the word. Deliver the word. Walk in the word. And watch the fruit that comes from it. You need some revelation from the word. So now you're ready to get into part four. Pastor, we ain't into part four yet? No, that was just your precursor. Those were your, those were your, what do you call it, trailers before the movie? Amen. You know, not now it's like a movie before a movie. So here we go. Book of Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. I got 16 verses of scripture to read to you real quick. And then we're going to break them down real fast for you this morning. And yes, I'm going to get you to lunch at some point. Amen. At some point. You heard what I said? Amen. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, it says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard and at noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. 
The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. And when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they, too, were paid a day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. And he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Can we break this down this morning? Yes? Good. Book of Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. I want to read that to you real quick. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning. Okay. I want to I wanna fix something real quick because I, I understand that schedule and things in life, there's some of y'all that work weird schedules, y'all got rotating schedules, you're on days, you're on nights, your world's upside down, you don't even know what morning is anymore. Can I get an amen from somebody? I know you, I know shift workers are in this house. When he says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went early one morning, what he's saying is, is he's saying, what are you going to invest in first? What are you going to invest in first? God is saying, listen, if we're going to do this together, I'm priority, not secondary. Not according to time, but first things first. The Bible declares there's a thing called first fruits. It's the first fruit. What I'm giving off the top rather than the bottom. I'm not holding till I've fixed all of myself. I'm going to bring to God first. Now, here's the truth of it. God's not saying, hey, listen, before you do your day, I need you 25 minutes in your Bible. I need three chapters read first. I need you to go into your private closet and pray for 25 minutes, and then we can start your day. Okay, that's what you have to do. If that's what God tells you to do, that's great. But there is no formatted plan that says you're an early riser. Here's how my early rising is. You ready? When I put my feet on the ground, Father, I thank you for waking me up this morning. God, listen, my alarm clock goes off. Well, it used to go off at 5.30. Now I just wake up at 5.20. And I'm like, God, please, you couldn't let me sleep 10 more minutes. But, but I, 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 every morning when I wake up and the alarm doesn't go off and I'm awake before the alarm, I find myself kind of rolling over and just going, good morning, Holy Spirit. God, I just I thank you that I'm awake this morning. That's an early riser. What do we typically do? We reserve that to a specific space. When we've got all of our things together and all of our pieces in order before we present ourselves to God. Do you understand that the moment you're awake is the moment you present yourself? That's the moment you come into encounter with God right there. Because I believe with everything in my heart that God is sitting there ready to have relationship with me. But I have to acknowledge that he's in the room. I can't just exist hoping that he's in the room. I've got to acknowledge his existence in the room. I thank him for the breath in my body. I thank him that my body's not racked with pain this morning. I thank him that my kids are going to wake up on time and make it to the bus and I start honoring him I start thanking him with expect I have that gratitude space I don't even walk in and going oh god what are you? oh god no I've got this gratitude just that I'm in the room I'm an early riser he gets the first part of me not the last part of me or the fearful part of me or the worrying part of me or the doubting part of me he gets it before those things come into play could you imagine if god got you before your doubts did could you imagine if God got you before your fear did and your worries did? Because when they came, you'd be like, nah, I'm good. God and I are already on the same page this morning. 
He said, the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning. And he goes on, it says, to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal wage, the normal daily wage, and sent them out to work. Can, can I just take two seconds to break down something that I saw actually this morning as I was looking over my notes? Is that that part where he says to hire workers for whose vineyard? His vineyard. Can I ask you a question? Who did you employ into your vineyard this morning? Is that, is that just, did that just miss you? <laughs> what did you employ into your vineyard this morning? And are they bringing fruit to your vineyard or are they tearing your vineyard up? What do you mean? I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about your stuff. What did you employ into your vineyard this morning? Did you employ your struggles or did you employ your promise? Did you employ the angels of the Lord or did you employ the minions of hell? What did you employ? Did you employ an argument with your spouse or did you, did you employ edification and encouragement into your spouse? What did you employ this morning? You wonder why your vineyard is tore up. Be careful that you're not employing things into your vineyard that is causing destruction in your vineyard. He said early in the morning he rose up and he went out to hire workers for his vineyard. There is a prayer that I pray every morning. Father, I thank you for the angels of the Lord that encamp round about me. And Father, I, you said in my word, I had the authority to dispatch them from the north, the south, the east, and the west for them to do the bidding of the Lord before me, to go before me and to come behind me. God, I thank you that they are co-laborers in this thing with me. Father, I thank you that you're marking spaces in front of me and behind me. I thank you that you are guiding every... Instead of, oh, God, I got to check the news. Oh, God, I got to check my bank account. Be careful what you put in your vineyard in the morning. Because what you put in your vineyard will destroy your vineyard. You can have time to think about those things. You can have time to deal with those things. But don't let them get early in the morning into your vineyard. Because by the end of the day, your vineyard will be destroyed. He said to hire workers for his vineyard, he agreed to pay them the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. And in verse 3, it says, at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. Here it comes. Here it comes. Buckle your seatbelts. Oh, God. It's going to get tight. Believers doing nothing. Believers doing nothing. Now, I will go ahead and preface this. This is going to be a Paul moment, an Ezekiel moment. This is not going to be a lovey-dovey moment. This is not, Pastor, I feel so great about myself. This is going to be a moment where I'm going to check you for just a second. Do not call yourself a believer if you're doing nothing. And what I mean by that, if all you're doing is attending to you, you have not become a co-laborer in the field. You are building your own kingdom. The kingdom of God does not come into you so that you can build your own kingdom. The kingdom of God comes into you so that you can build his I have for years watched people complain about not being used or not being fulfilled or not finding their place. And for some reason, I've had people try to make it my problem. Make it my fault. But I don't understand why, why, why you won't give me an opportunity. Well, here's the truth of it. As the pastor of this house, I watch to see what fruit you produce. Because I'm waiting to see what falls from your tree, not what you tell me is on your tree. A lot of people want to come, Pastor, I feel called to do this. Pastor, I feel the anointing to do this. Pastor, I know God's laid this on my heart. There's a lot of things God's laid on my heart that I've never done. There's a lot of things that I've wanted to do that I've never accomplished. Why? Because that wasn't the will of the Father on my life. But I love when people come, Pastor, Pastor, I know, I know I'm called to do this. Then what are you waiting on? Well, I, it, it's just me. Okay, so the only thing that would distract you from fulfilling the purpose of God is the sin in your life. 
Look, y'all think I'm making this up. That's in your Bible. I know y'all don't want to hear this. Like, ah, why do you have to go there? Because it's the truth. It's your own inabilities. It's your own inadequacies. It's your own believing of the enemy's lies over your life rather than what God declares over your life. And instead of coming and telling me what you want to do, why don't you come to me with a plan? Why don't you come to me with a purpose? When you want to buy the house, what you want. When you buy the car that you want, you write it out. But when it comes to the things of God, you want God to just put it in your hand. God says a person who doesn't put their hand to the plow doesn't see the field tilled. Doesn't see the, the field prepared. And so many times what we want is we want to see the produce. We want to see the, the seeds bearing fruit. We want to look, look, look what I did. And God says, but you didn't put your hand to the plow. You had nothing to do with that. But so many times, I just, Pastor, I know. Can I just say this, please? And I'm just, this is in love. This is in love. Don't get mad at me. Don't come to me and tell me you know what God told you to do and then do nothing with it. That's like me looking at you going, I don't know if God called me to pastor. How long would you sit in this church if I told you that? What if I told you all of my plans outside of this church rather than in this church? What if I told you that I'm looking forward to retiring one day? What if I told you that I'm looking for another job? What if it told you that I wanted to run out the door? How long would you stay? No, because you want people that are committed, not people who are waving. You want people who are in the thing, sold out to a thing, ready to do a thing, and ready to walk with you through everything. And I need the same thing. We need to do this together. Do not walk into this church or any other church. Anybody that's watching online, if you go to another church, stop walking into churches telling the pastor how great you are. Tell them how great the assignment is and then give them a thing and tell them how you're going to do it. Because we're about fulfilling assignments, not filling seats. Nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around, nothing doing nothing. How many times has God come into the house of God and looked at you and gone, when are you going to do something? But pastor, I, I'm just waiting for the right moment. When is the right moment? When the trumpet sounds? When is the right moment? When it's all over? I, I made this joke because I can make this joke. It's amazing how many people get saved in jail. Because I lived it. Hello. Grew up in the church, found myself in jail. I've got to leave the church. Pastor went to jail. You were in sin. What's the difference? I was in jail four times. You thought the first one would have fixed me? No, four times. It took my stupid brain to figure it out and my heart to finally get in line. But the truth be told is, is that I, 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 I finally just committed myself to it. I remember going into the courtroom and saying, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. Whatever, I get it. When was the last time you told God whatever he asked you to do, you do it? I remember somebody came to church here one Sunday, looked at me dead in the face and said, Pastor, we want to get plugged in. If you need me to scrub toilets, I'll scrub toilets. Can, can you come preach this Sunday? Because I need the rest of the church to hear that. Because what we say is, I don't want to do that. I want to serve the Lord, but I don't want to do that. Servants, true servants don't pick what they do. They just do what they do. Because it's out of their heart, not their hands. Nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing, waiting for someone to pick you. Didn't God already pick you? Once again, breathe. <laughs> he picked you. He already picked you. What are you waiting for? So then he says, it says that then he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever, the, whatever was right at the end of the day. And it goes on in verse 5. It says, so they went to work in the vineyard. And at noon again, and at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. He hired some more people. And then in verse 6 through 7, it says, he, at 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. All right, this is going to be an illustrated sermon this morning, so I'm gonna, I need you to work with me. If I call you, just come up quick, come up real fast. TC, Scotty, uh, Troy, uh, 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 
Michael, uh, Danny, Ben, Vici. Uh, how many I got? One, two. Come up here. Come, come up here. Just stand behind me. Just stand, come up behind me real quick because they won't be able to see you down there. So I want to make sure we get you up here. Three, four, five, six. I need two more. Scotty, if you'll come. Why are you picking only guys? You'll understand in a minute. Lucas, come here for a second. Okay. So, so here, here's, come on, move fast, move fast. Move. Lucas, Lucas, Mr. Lucas. I'm sorry. Luke, Luke, Lucas, Luke, Luke. Same difference. Okay. All right. Kind of get next to each other. Your, your church, your family. Come on, get close. Amen. Amen. All right. Just stay tight because I got I, 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 church to see. Okay. So I got, I got two people that represent, two people that represent the nine o'clockers, two people that represent the 12 o'clockers, two people that represent the three o'clockers, and two people that represent the five o'clockers. All of them are working in the vineyard. All of them are tending. All of them are doing the same work. Now, he says he hired the 9 o'clockers, and they went out to work. Show me what working looks like. That's what I thought. Amen. Oh. I don't know. Okay. And then he says he went and hired the 12 o'clockers and the 3 o'clockers. And then he says at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there were people who still weren't working yet. Watch this. Y'all still work? What is this? You're typing? Bro, working in the vineyard, not working at your desk. Calm down. Lord, shovels, axes, I don't know what you're doing, but hold on. He's, he's like, that's how I work in the vineyard, Jack. What you talking about? I'm tending to the vines. I'm tending to the vines. Massaging the vines. And, and Michael's over here going, oh, 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 okay. So I've got, I've got six people out here to work, but here's the truth of it. I've got these two down here that are the five o'clockers. They showed up at the end of the day. Now you all look at this and you go, wait a minute. Who's got the most importance up here? The nine o'clockers. They were the first ones in. They're the ones that have been working all day. Watch, 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 watch. It says in verse 8, it says, That evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with what? Beginning with what? Okay, so he said, I'm going to pay the last workers first. And when those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. So the, so the worker went out and said, I'm going to pay the 5 o'clockers first. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. This is what typically happens. Most of the other people that are working are watching to see what the five o'clockers got paid because they're more concerned of what they're going to get rather than what that's coming to them. They don't trust the process. They want to make sure that they're not getting cheated. Can I just say this to you at the sidebar? Stop thinking God's going to cheat you. Stop looking at what other people are doing and when they showed up and say, well, I don't understand why they got it first and I didn't get it first. Watch this. So he goes to the 5 o'clock because he said, hey, you know what? I want to pay you and I want to pay you. Now watch, watch, watch. I'm watching eyeballs. They're all watching going, hey, hey, heifer. I watched what you just gave them. You better at least give me at least what they've got. And these 9 o'clockers, watch, watch, watch. I'm not saying it's literal. Just hang on for a second. They're going, I better make more than what they just made. Can I just say to you, just to you real quick, how many of you have a problem with people getting promoted before you? I told you, the nine o'clockers, they always show up. You have a problem with others being promoted. Let me help you with something. The moment that you understand promotion comes from God and not from man, you will stop getting caught up in what others make, and you'll understand that that provision isn't your provision, and that God's got greater things for you. Can I prove it to you real quick? And y'all feel weird yet? Y'all like this moment? Okay, good. Just stay right where you are. I was, okay, real quick, real side story, real fast. I was dumb in school. Some of y'all don't want to join me in a club. That's fine. Leave me on the lurch by myself. I appreciate that. I graduated high school with pre-algebra, pre-algebra, pre-algebra. 
algebra, not calculus, not geometry. That stuff was crazy to me, pre-algebra. In fact, one season of my life, in order to keep me from, making, from failing, they put me in what I jokingly call boom-boom math. We went back to division, multiplication, addition, and subtraction. Okay, now watch this, watch this. So as I become older, I get out of high school, I go to work for a law firm downtown in Tampa as a mail deliverer. All I did was walk around all day and give people their mail, give people their mail. Then one day, the HR director walks in and she goes, hey, Brian, I need to come talk to you. And I'm thinking, I'm getting canned. How do you get canned from delivering mail? I have no idea, but I'm going to find out how. So I walk into her office. Her name was Margot Valenti. We sit down at the desk and she said, Brian, we've been watching you. Oh, God, it's coming. She said, this whole staff, every attorney loves you. We want to promote you to the accounting department. Okay, I don't want to tell on myself, but are you sure you're picking the right one? She goes, what do you mean? I said, Miss Mark, I said, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Math is not my strongest. She said, we'll teach you everything. But here's the other thing. We want to double your salary. Amen. How did I get promotion from the mailroom to accounts payable for a law firm with 120 attorneys? Okay, watch. Everyone else was being promoted around me, but I was still serving the mail. I was showing up early before all the attorneys got there and making sure their mail was on their desk ready to receive when they walked in the door. I was tending to them. I was, I was doing, I was serving under the Lord. I was, I was walking in every morning praying. I was reading my Bible in the mailroom before everybody showed up. I was attending to the Lord before I attended to the mailroom. I was attending to my relationship with God before I attended to the mailroom. And then all of a sudden, promotion found me. I didn't find promotion. God brought me promotion. Here's the crazy part. The guy who ran the mailroom was a purebred atheist. And when he found out that I was being moved out of the mailroom, he went to Margo and begged her to not move me. And this is what he said. I don't know what it is about Brian, but when he comes in the room, the atmosphere changes. The room changes. I struggle with stress all of my life, but when he's in that mailroom, I have peace all day. Please don't take him from the mailroom. So what I'm trying to show you is, is that when you do this under the Lord, promotion comes from God. Stop trying to benefit people and serve the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and God will open up the doors, open up the windows, pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. Stop getting mad. When other people get what you didn't get, celebrate them. Celebrate them. Man, I'm so proud of you. You get a new car, man, I'm proud of you. You get a new house, man, I'm proud of you. Man, that's awesome. I am so excited about your blessing. Because let me help you with something. If you've got a problem with somebody else's blessing, you're going to block your own. said, when those hired to come pay, uh, it says, that evening that he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. We get into verse 10. When those hired first came to get their pay. You coming to get your pay? You coming to get your pay? Okay, good. Just stay right there. When those hired came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they, too, were paid a day's wage. I could preach a whole message about what you just did right there. <laughs> Can I say this to you? Just because you've been in the church longer, don't think that you deserve more than the people that showed up at the last minute. You might have been born into a godly home. You might have been raised in the thing of, things of God, which is what I was. But I am no more important than anybody else that walked in today. That if I'm in this thing, you're in this thing, we're in this thing together. Well, but pastor, I have seen the hand of God, and I have seen the move of the Father, and I know all things pertaining to heaven. Shut up. No, you don't. (laughs) 
I, I have seen the glory of the Lord and I have gazed upon its beauty. I worship in spirit and in truth. <laughs> Can I just say this to you? There are no full-grown believers until you die. Because you have not finished the assignment and the fullness of the education that God is going to walk you through. And let me help you with something. The greatest lesson you will learn is when you breathe your last. Because it is at that moment where you come into the understanding that either God is for me or he is against me. There are so many things that we, we I've, been, I've been saved for so long. Why is it that the 9 o'clockers think they're more important than the 5 o'clockers? Well, we've been here longer, but you've been doing nothing. Why is it that you've been here at 9 o'clock? You've been here at 9 o'clock. You've been here at 9 o'clock, but yet you still do nothing. I'm going to tell you what the offense is. The offense is not that they're getting paid the same. They're, your offense is that they're doing more than you're doing. You're not mad. You're not mad about what they got. You're mad that they're getting the same that you are. Because the truth of the matter is it's the heart, not the work. I was talking with, with, with Brett yesterday and we was talking about there was a kid in his neighborhood that used to go around the neighborhood. Or his son was going around trying to earn money and was washing cars. And, and, and one day a dude was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm washing cars. Trying to earn some money. The dude handed him $200. Handed his son $200. said, here you go. He's like, I'll wash your car. He said, you don't need to wash my car. I looked at Brett and I said, you know what that man did? That man saw the hustle on the inside of that kid and wanted to bless him for his hustle. He saw the desire to do greater than what he was at. He saw an ability to go and meet the needs. Listen, ah, I was like last night we're sitting at the house and my kids are complaining about the dinner. Amen? I don't know if I like that. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to eat that. Boy, y'all better be quiet. When we were kids, mama put plate on the food. You better eat what's on that table. You ain't eating tonight. You better celebrate. I said, your mama worked in the kitchen all day. Boy, you eating that food. I don't like it. Then you're starving. Well, wait, I just get a, can I just get, can I just get some candy out of the pantry? That is not dinner. But, but I just, I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Shut up and eat the food. Just eat it. Be happy with what you got. Be happy with what's been given to you. So many times that we've got people in the church that, I've been, I've been in church longer than you. I've been, I don't know why, I don't know why pastor's calling on you. Maybe the reason pastor's calling on them is because they show up. And you don't. You'll notice when I say things like this, I look at the ceiling. Because I don't want you to be like, he's talking to me. But if the shoe fits, wear it. Don't be mad at other people's promotion. Don't be mad at people getting a position for you. Because let me help you with something. If you don't accept the permission, the position, God will find somebody to take your position. God's kingdom is not affected by your inability to step out of your own comfort zones and fulfill the purpose of God on your life. The kingdom of God does not stop moving forward because you decide to rebel against what he told you to do. The kingdom of God does not stop moving forward because you decide to throw a temper tantrum and throw your hands up in the air. I quit. God goes, okay, let me find somebody who'll say yes. He's not looking for your resume. He's looking for your yes. He doesn't care where you've been. He cares if you finally decide to see where you're going. He said, when the hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. You're not better than the other one that comes in the room. Watch. Let me give you a quick analogy. Let's just say this morning somebody comes to this church. Let's, for analogy's sake, let's say that this person works at a certain place by a Walmart on Natchez Boulevard. 
You still know where I'm going? Let me clarify. She is a stripper. You said stripper in church. Jesus spoke to a harlot. Hello. She walks into the church. And the head usher knows exactly who she is. Let's not ask why the head usher knows who she is. But let's just say he does. He sees her walk in the room, and all of a sudden he puts his earpiece, and he goes, uh, head of security, we have a code seven. There's a code seven in the church. Um, I think I need to go to the bathroom. Um, can you please take my place? No, there's no code seven in the church. I don't think that's stupid. That's dumb. I'm just playing. But, but here's what happens. Then other people see her because she might not look like you. And we assume that she's far from God. But yet the fact that she's in the house means she's close to God. And we dismiss her before she has a chance to receive the same thing you received. And God says she has the same value you have. But pastor, I don't do that. You're right, but you did other things. And I saved you. Why can't she be saved? It's no different than an alcoholic walking into, ah, 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 an alcoholic or an abuser or, or somebody who's made bad mistakes. Listen, I can put up my mugshot for you. And then you can make your judgment calls and you can walk out of the church. I'm not going to a church where a pastor's been a sinner, sinner, sinner. Let me do one more time. Sinner. Okay. Here. The truth be told, it's like, man, it's like we, we, we just completely shoot people down as if they don't have lives or as if they, as if they can't make mistakes. Or, or, man, aren't you thankful for the grace that passes all, all of your stuff that overlooks and sees you on the other side of the promise that he has for you. Why is it that we, we, we want God to be gracious towards us, but we refuse to be gracious towards others? Let me help you with something. because the kingdom of God's not in you. You're still trying to get to it. Why is God doing? And we go, oh, I don't understand. She's at the altar, and, and pastor's giving her a word. And, and why won't God, pastor, why won't pastor give me a word? I'm going to go to the altar, too, so God will give me a word, too. Where's my word? Why does she get a word and I don't get a word? I don't understand why she gets a word. I, I've been here forever. Let me, let me, let me here's another story. Y'all, y'all okay? Y'all still okay? Y'all enjoying yourselves? Okay, good. If one falls out, y'all just pray for them. They lock their knees. Amen. Okay. I remember when I was younger, I, 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 was at a, I was at a conference at our church in Tampa, at the church in Tampa I attended, and, and there, was a, there was a man there, and, and this man operated in the prophetic, and if you don't know what the prophetic is, go read your Bible. It's interlaced throughout the Bible. Okay. Uh, so, so this man operated in the prophetic, and, and I remember, man, I, that night I wanted a word from the Lord. Man, I wanted God to speak to me, but I've been in church my whole life, but I, God, I want you to speak to me, and everybody's getting a word. Everybody's getting a word, and I'm standing at the altar, and I remember saying this to God. God, I don't understand. I was raised in this. I know your voice. Why won't you talk to me? As clear as I'm talking to you right now, this is what I heard. I've been talking to you. You've just placed man's voice over mine. He said, why don't you just listen to me? Here's the difference. The nine o'clockers have heard the word of the Lord. The five o'clockers are learning how to hear the word of the Lord. If the nine o'clockers want the same thing at the five o'clockers, then they've really never heard the word of the Lord. Because what they're doing is revolting back to a mindset that God had already grown them into. They didn't wake up being nine o'clockers. They had to learn how to be nine o'clockers. Y'all see what I'm getting at? 
They had to learn. So if they're mad because they got the same thing that they got, what they're mad about is the fact that, well, I, I'm, I, I've grown. No, if you're mad that they're not to the level you think you are, then you have now put yourself back in that place. You might as well join the five o'clockers because you're not seasoned as you think you are. You're not as perfected as you think you are. People, people get frustrated with why people are getting promoted. Why? Where's my word? I've been here longer. That's the problem. You've been here and you're still expecting to be treated like it's your first time. Why? The first time I came to church, everybody was so loving and so welcoming and they hugged me and I felt so loved and blah, blah, blah. And I've been here for like three years and, and I can't even get the pastor to smile at me and I don't know what to do and I want to go home and I don't have friends. Do y'all think I haven't heard this? Pastoring for 15 years, bro, I've heard some stuff. I've had people leave the church. Why did they leave the church? You, they said you didn't smile at them. What? Yeah, they walked past you and you didn't even say hi to them. I'm sorry. I was kind of an admission. I don't remember the day. I don't even remember the time. I'm, I'm, let me call you. Like, hi. Let me FaceTime you. I'm smiling at you. Like, what do I got to do? I'm leaving the church. I don't have any friends here. When did the church become a place that you come to be a socialite? This is not Facebook, Jack. This is the house of God. Why do we come here? To grow, to be edified, encouraged, strengthened, so that we might go out and do the kingdom of God outside of the four walls of this building. You can have friends. You can make friends. But that's your choice. That's your job. In this house, that we've come that we might become greater in him, not greater in friendships. Well, I, don't, I don't have anybody that's like me. Well, stop trying to be like the world. Says when they received their pay, they protested. Uh, okay, there you go. Just stay like that. Okay. Just stay just like that. No. Just like that. Just hold that pace right there. <laughs> they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Can I just say this? Okay, you can stop. It's okay. I can feel it behind my neck, and it's just weird. Okay. Can I just say this real quick? Be careful you don't belittle what someone else is doing when you're doing nothing. Ah, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. I told you, this, it's always the fourth one that, or the last part of the series that God's like, hey, watch this. There it hurts. Okay. Be careful that you're not pointing out everyone else's flaws when you're doing nothing. Well, if I was doing this, I'd do it this way. But you're not. Shut up. Stop telling everybody how it should be done. It's like people going to me, well, if I was the pastor, then start a church, Jack. Well, if I was the pastor, I would run the church this way. But you're not. Well, if I was leading the people, I would do it. But you're not. You're not the one who gets called at 3 o'clock in the morning. People are going through hell. You're not the person who God wakes up at 3.30 in the morning to pray over people. You're not the one who has to go sit in hospitals all night long, even through a pandemic. You're not the one who has to. Damn. Well, if I was the pastor, bro, you wouldn't last five seconds. You would give every excuse. I'm not saying that you would. I'm saying most people would. Yeah, most people would give excuses. And let me be honest with you. Sometimes that's how I feel. Well, if I got to pray, why can't they pray? I mean, dear God, they've been in the church for five years. I've told them every day, go to the Lord, go to the Lord, go to the Lord. And yet when they go through a problem, they go to the pastor. But you're my pastor. But who's your God? <laughs> if I die, where will your relationship go? Well, pastor's dead. I can't go to church anymore. <laughs> God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Pastor's dead. Oh, God. As opposed to, hey, man, pastor's gone. But God's given us an assignment to be greater than we thought we were. And so... Pastor always told us to run to God. 
to let God lead us, to let him direct us, let the word be our foundation, let the kingdom of God take root in us. So maybe it's time that we step out and start doing that. Maybe it doesn't need me. Maybe it just needs you. Maybe God's waiting on you. Don't belittle what someone else is doing when you're doing nothing. He goes and he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? I mean, you came up here. I said, give me two people. You stood right there. You're like, cool, I'll be a part of the assignment. I'll be a part of the illustration. You didn't know what was coming. You said, hey, I'll do it. Why can't we just say yes? Don't forget what you say yes to, God will hold you accountable to. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, in case you were wondering how important this is, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, it simply says this, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. In other words, stop saying eh, yes or no. Unfortunately, in the church, we have a lot of gray area. Why do we chase the blessing more than a good name? Why do we chase the blessing more than good character? Why do we chase the blessing more than good integrity? The Bible says your name is worth more than gold, more than rubies. But yet we don't value our name anymore. We value what's in our pockets. We value what's in the bank account. We value what's parked in the garage. We value what size house we live in. We value all the material things. But what do people think about you? Because you can have all of these things, but yet have bad character, bad integrity, and a bad name. He looked at the two of them from 9 o'clock and said, you know what? Take your money and go. Before you take my money and go, give my money back. This is not that much of an illustrated sermon. Amen. Boy, don't, 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 don't do that. You're supposed to walk away and say, the Lord's got greater blessings for me. All right, two of you can go. You two can go. Praise the Lord. 9 o'clock as you're leaving. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last workers the same as you. Mm, I wanted to pay the last workers the same as you. Do you trust God to be God? Do you trust him to make the decision? Or do you tell him how to make the decision? He says, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Is it against the law for God to do what he wants to do with others without your permission? Yet we want to tell God whether he's permitted to do it or not. God, I don't like the fact that you're doing that with that person. I'm not, I'm not okay with the fact that you're blessing that person. I'm not okay. God, where is mine? Why, why would you leave me and give to them? Did you ever think that maybe God was working on something bigger that you can't see? And that what his reward for you is far greater than the one you've attached yourself to? Back in the day, the church used to say, we, there was, we used to joke about it, called the name it, claim it, stupid stuff. Like, I'm going to go to the car lot and I'm going to pray for that car. You dummy. You're praying for a car maybe God doesn't want to give you. You're praying for a house. I, I, I want that house. I'm only going to settle for that house. God goes, why? So you want to limit me? Because you've now attached your mind to the will of God on your life. Mm, your thought life will over, because God will give you what you want. Or will you submit yourself to what he has for you? I've watched people get blessed. I've watched myself get blessed and people get mad. I never forget when we got the Honda Odyssey. Honda Odyssey. We got it now, what, six years, baby? Six years ago, I get a Honda Odyssey. Now, you understand, my wife and I have, like, lived in old cars, like high-mileage old cars. And so finally, it was time for us to get a new car. We get the new car. I promise you, I'm not making this up. Somebody comes to church, how did you afford a Honda Odyssey? I don't know. How did you get here this morning? I, this is the question that my wife gets all the time. Here it comes. You ready? This is the one I love. 
Your, your husband's the pastor, right? Yeah. How does he get paid? How is that your business? But even more importantly, what do you think I do all day? Oh, I'm just a pastor. I'll wait to see him Sunday. See, this just turns on on itself. It just works by itself. No, it takes work. This is work. This is, this is a lot of hours. I'm not a five-day-a-weeker, guys. I'm seven days a week. It doesn't stop. The other night, I got three phone calls from the hours of 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what kind of hell broke loose, but I was in the middle of all of it. Just like, what are you doing? I got to deal with it. This doesn't ever stop, but people get offended because you get blessed. People get upset because you get blessed. Man, when I got my Jeep, oh, how did he get the Jeep? He must have stolen money from the church. You stupid. God, you devilish son of a gun. Ah, I want to say words that God delivered me from, but I can't. I want to say some stuff. I want to be like, ha, ha, go outside. I'll show you what it looks like. I'll run you over with my big tires, and we'll talk about it later. Big 35 jacked up. Yes, that's my car. God blessed me. Celebrate it so that you can finally see yours. Here's the problem. Here's the funny part. The people that complain about my blessings, I go look at theirs and I understand why. Because they are not grateful for what God's given them. Therefore, they have a problem with what I get. Trust me when I tell you. There is no high life living in the Dean family. We understand what we do. We understand. I tell people all the time, please do not get in the ministry to make money. That is stupid. Because if it all changes tomorrow, guess what? You better have to decide whether or not you're really called to do this thing. Somebody asked me one time, said, Pastor, if you had to take a full-time job and work in the world and pastor the church, would you still be the pastor? Yes. Because I love what I do. And I did it for three years before I ever started working full-time in this church. For three years, I carried two jobs while pastoring the church. For three years, I ran four Bible studies a week. I led the worship, led the youth group, led the young adult ministry, as well as preached on Sunday. I worked an overnight job and then would go flip my schedule on a Friday so that I could be in the pulpit on a Sunday and then do it all again the next week. And for three years, I did that. And nobody knew it because I never complained about it. But when God blesses, will you please celebrate the blessing? Because, baby, when you get the new house and the new car, I want to see it. I want to ride in it. I want to celebrate it. Even if it is manufactured new car smell, I still want to celebrate it. I want to see the blessings of God in your life. It, it is, is it, is it. Is it against the law for God to bless those who he chooses to bless? And can you receive the blessings that he's placed on others? He looks at all this and he goes, wait a minute. The five o'clockers are just as important as the nine o'clockers. And the funny part is, is that the 12 o'clockers and the three o'clockers are still in the mix. And I've never talked about them yet. Do you have it in you to be a 12 o'clocker and a three o'clocker who never gets talked about, but understands their assignment? And is willing to fulfill it even if no one ever honors you. You have the five o'clockers that came up and they might have shown up late. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. That, that's another sermon that will preach right there. <laughs> Can I just tell you what just happened? I went to take his money back and he put something else in it. He said, I want to give. Oh, Jesus. I don't care when you've been called, you'll finally understand that what God's given you, you've got greater on the inside of you, and you'll finally let it go. God will reward you when you do it. Okay, that's sidebar. Okay, 5 o'clockers, you can go. I need to deal with the 3 o'clockers and the 12 o'clockers. They've stood here quietly. I didn't preach about them. They've stood behind me the whole time. They've never spotlighted one time. They've never been seen. They've never been communicated to. I never handed them money, but they're still standing. They didn't walk up and go, well, he's not talking about this. I'm done standing up here. 
They've stayed the course. Can you? Because no one sees you. No one acclaims you. No one shouts your praises. No one tells you you're great. Is your greatness found in the spotlight that sees you? Or is the greatness because God is the greatness in you? Because here's what will happen. The 3 o'clockers and the 12 o'clockers will leave. But next Sunday, they'll be back in the house ready to receive from God again. And if I call on them, got it, let's go. Because they understand that when it's God's season, the blessing that is coming is far greater than anything they could create themselves. You guys can go sit. The last part of this verse in verse 16, it says this. So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. The kingdom of God is that those who are last shall be first. And the first shall be last. Can you trade places and celebrate? For years, I've had people walk into churches and go, that's my seat. As opposed to, I'll give up my seat. There's an old nature in us that should be when a woman walks in the door and she doesn't have a place to sit, a man stands up, you can have my seat. Unfortunately, that's not even taught anymore. When you're walking down the street with your wife and you're walking down the street, does a man stand on the outside or does he stand on the inside? He stands on the outside. That way he can push her away in order to protect her so that he can take the brunt of what's coming. See, most people don't talk about this stuff because that's old school living. It's more about me. Most men don't even open the door anymore. I never forget one time we were we were at a gas station and, and I think Judah was with me and and um, there was an older black gentleman he was walking into the store and he was like but I knew he was coming and I opened up the door and I just stood there. Judah goes, "My dad, what you doing?" I said, "Just wait." It's been years ago. Gentleman's like, "Oh, oh, oh!" I said, "No, no, take your time. I got time. I'm not in a rush. Take your time." Held open the door, walks all the door, and he turns and looks at me, tears in his eyes. Thank you. You're welcome. Be blessed. We, 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 we want to be so in a hurry that we forget to slow down. Pastor, I need you to be done by 1130 so I can get to the restaurant before everybody else gets through. Feed your belly, but don't feed your spirit. Watch how fast you die. Without a vision, the people perish. Stop feeding your flesh. Feed your vision. Watch what God does with you. Stop looking for cute anecdotes on a Sunday morning. Let the word of God take residence on the inside of you and you become a part of the kingdom. And watch what God does with your life. But yet we are spending so much time trying to speed up the process because I need what I need now. Mr. Lucas came to me a couple weeks back. His pastor, we're praying about some stuff about our son and getting into college. And God, Pastor, I told Mr. Lucas, I said, breathe. We're going to trust God. Didn't I tell you that, Victor? I said, breathe. I saw Victor in the hall. I said, listen, Bubba, just breathe. God's got you. God's got you. Just breathe. There's enough seed in the ground to produce a harvest. Breathe. He gets offered two, Scott, two colleges. What, last week, two weeks ago? Two big colleges, not baby colleges, not community colleges, big colleges. He has the grades. What are we going to do about it now? Trust God. He's working it out. But, 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 but how, how, what do I need to do? Trust in the Lord. Trust 
in the Lord. Celebrate those who come while you're in the field, already working. Be happy that they've joined and become co-laborers in the field with you because now you can accomplish that much more. Celebrate those who get a break when you don't get a break. Celebrate those who get promoted when you don't get promoted because God from heaven is watching because he moves on the hearts of men. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Watch. He doesn't even say he'll give it to you. He says, shall men, men, human beings give unto your bosom. In other words, when God sees the heart of where you are, God will move on the heart of man to bless you while you're tilling to the, tending to the soil. And then you need to understand this. No matter what is harvested, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs That's not your money. That's his money. It's not your job. It's his job. It's not your spouse. It's his. Those aren't my kids. Those are his kids. One of the greatest revelations I've ever come to as a father is understanding that my kids aren't mine. I just get to be a steward. Those belong to him. What helps me is, is that when I think about it that way, it helps lead and guide me as to what he would speak over their lives rather than what Brian would speak over their lives. As a dad, I might want to get frustrated, but as a father, as a heavenly father, God says, I want to teach him. And so I have to walk myself into certain moments the right way rather than the wrong way. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. The next time you're at Walmart, somebody cuts in front of you in the line, take two steps back and pray for the person that just cut you. Why? Because I guarantee the reason that they're trying to get in before you is because there is turmoil in their lives. And instead of being another piece of turmoil in their life, pray that the blessings and the promises and the peace of God would manifest over them. And Father, whatever's missing and whatever's broken, God would be restored. And Father, if, if their home is broken, if their family is broken, if their marriage is broken, God, what you've done for me, do it for them. What you've blessed me and blessed them, God. And if they're struggling, their finances, God, bring provision to their lives. And God, if, if they don't know how tomorrow they're going to make it, Father, open up a window and let them see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I come in agreement with them right now. God, they might not even know you. They might not even understand you. But God, I'm asking even my angels to encamp round about them right now to encourage and strengthen them. God, gird them up with strength and give them peace and give them joy and give them love. God, let them not walk out of Walmart the same way they walked in. But Father, let them walk out feeling you and letting them know, letting them know, God, that you've not quit on them and you've not excuse me you got in front of me excuse me that was my parking space excuse me that's my chair maybe you've been sitting in that chair long enough maybe the Lord hath need of that chair first shall be last the last shall be first Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, are you watching what's happening with the political stuff? No, I'm reading my Bible. Well, Pastor, you, you aren't you worried? I, I asked my wife, I'm a news dude. Fox News is always on. But yes, I said Fox News. If you like CNN, whatever, I don't care. You like Al Jazeera? Well, fine, whatever. You like MSNBC? Fine. CNBC, whatever you want to watch. I don't care who you watch. I don't care. I always have the news on. And what I've noticed is, since all this, 
It's on, but it's just noise. And I find myself not even paying attention to what's happening. I keep going back to this. Okay, God, what you want to say in this? I get what's happening, but your word was written before that news report came. (laughs) So the promises in here are yes and amen, which means yes and it is finished. That's nothing on that TV that you don't know about. There's nothing on the news that's reported. There's nothing that's happened in our country that God, you didn't ordain or know about. (gasps) Pastor, you're telling me that God let it happen? Watch me, watch me, watch me. So we could get to this point right now. Where the righteous men and women of God would hear the clarion call of the Father. We would lay down our iniquities. We would lay down our past. We would lay down our struggles. We would lay down our strife. We would lay down our hatred and our anger. We would allow God to heal our eyesight, allow God to heal our mouth, allow God to heal our heart. And we would love thy God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. And we'd finally become who God called and purposed us to be. Not who we've made ourselves. Watch this. Maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe it's not. See, people don't know that I do this. I've got the Simmons family over here. i got the Massa family over here. And I can go through the family and I can call them all by name. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And they, I, just, I just named two. There's others in the room. Why, 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 why is that a big deal to you? Because when they walked in the door, my heart was completed. Not finished, completed. Why do you say that? Because I understand that this is not about me doing this. It's about people coming home. And when they come home, we're almost there. I've said this from the pulpit over and over and over. I am believing for a thing that is an abnormality in southeast Louisiana. And that is a multicultural church. It has been a mission of mine since I moved here as a youth pastor into New Orleans East. And when I say things like that, people want to make it a color. It's not the color issue. It's the brokenness that has separated us rather than bring us together. So when I see people of other nationalities, other cultures, we're almost there. Why? Because heaven is about to display itself in this house. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we will understand that the kingdom of God is about the last shall be first and the first shall be last, we will paint the picture of heaven on the earth. And God will be glorified in the earth. God must be glorified by us the world is waiting to see him not in a Sunday morning service he's waiting to see him in you everybody stand to your feet I hope and pray that over the last four weeks you have been touched I hope and pray that this word has found root on the inside of you. I hope and pray that you didn't just listen to it and want to run out the door as soon as I say stand to your feet. I hope and pray that this matters to you. I hope and pray that the word of God is something that you desire in your life. But let me say this to you. I said this at the beginning of the year and I meant it and I'll say it again. 
God is done playing around. He's done. There has been a multitude season of grace over people who claim God. And I believe we are about to walk into a season where it is not grace, it is the obedience of a believer that he's watching. Willful sin is not permitted in the kingdom of God. Y'all look at me like y'all lost right now. Let me explain that. This statement of God knows my heart. He does. He wrote in his scripture, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. He already knows. But there's coming a season where now you must be accountable for what you know. How many parents do I have in the room? Watch. Do you ever tell your kids to clean their room? Do you ever tell them? How many times did you tell them? How many times are you still telling them? Amen. Okay. All the kids are like, Pastor, shut up. Okay. Do you ever get to the point where you've had enough telling them? Then it kind of comes to the point where it starts to affect you because you're like, it's just blatant disobedience now. It's disrespect. Here's the conversation. You can ask my son. He'll tell you. This is the conversation we have. Did I do something? Because when you don't do what I asked and I ask in love, it portrays back to me that you don't love me back. Your disobedience creates a void in my heart that I don't understand. I work hard to provide for you, to protect you, to bring a roof over your head, to put food on the table. Why can't you just respect me and love me enough? Dad, I love you, but if you loved me, you'd obey me. You ever heard that before? That's what the Father says. If you love me, obey me. Obey what? This book right here. Not the pieces that you want. The whole thing. God is speaking in this moment and saying, it's time for the church to be an obedient body of believers who will declare my word and be accountable to my word, who will walk out this thing because there is a return coming. And I'm going to tell you this in 15 years. Watch this in 15 years. I have never stood in the pulpit and said that that loud. Pastor, you've never talked about the second coming? No, because I've been spending the last 15 years trying to get people just to do the thing right. But when this year transferred, I felt it so deep in my chest. You better get your stuff together. You better get it right. You better stop playing with him. He's done playing. And this is not a doom and gloom. God's got grace. But it's time for us to do it together so that the kingdom of God can come to this earth so that we can see his will done in the earth. In this moment, without any head bowed, without any eye closed, you stand in this place. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus right now. I need your hand to go straight up. That's me. I need Jesus. Come on, raise hands straight up. Come on. I need, I, I got sin in my life. I need to put it down. I'm done. I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is my moment. Come on. You just might as well. Hey, hey, that's me. Here's the great part about God. God's going, woo-hoo-hoo. You think God's going, see, I, I told you they were screw-ups. I told you they were jacked up from the neck up. Look, God, we've been talking about them for six months. God's going, no, this was the appointed time. For those of you that your hands are lifted, I'm going to tell you this is what God's saying. You are right on time. You've missed nothing. You now get to inherit everything. So this hand cannot be a hand of pain. This is a hand of promise. This is a hand of declaration. That I am my father's and he is mine. 
So all across this place, in accord with every hand that's lifted in this moment, we're going to say this prayer together. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my soul. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you come in to my heart. Take away everything that's not of you. I'm ready to receive you as my Lord and Savior. No more excuses. No more complaints. I am the righteousness of my Father. There is nothing missing. Nothing nothing broken. Today, I declare that I am a child of the Most High God in Jesus' name. Now look at me. <laughs> Every time I pray that prayer, I'm like, oh. Why? Because I feel it. I feel the eruption in heaven. Our celebration is taking place because you said, hey, I need God. God goes, yes. We're coming home. So what do we do now, Pastor? We leave this place. What do we do? Go eat lunch. But carry the kingdom of God with you. What do we do then? Go home. Love your kids and your wife. If you're single, love yourself. Go take yourself out. But carry the kingdom of God with you. And remember this. The last shall be first. And the first shall be last.